Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Welcome back, folks. We are joined by the newly elected, uh, newly inaugurated 45th uh, Secretary of State, Nancy Landry. Nancy, welcome to the show. Thank you, Newell. Thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. First, let me say Happy New Year and congratulations. Very happy that you were successful in, in, in this endeavor as we carry on the duties of the Secretary of State's office, which a lot of people don't realize is incredibly important to the business operations uh, throughout the state of Louisiana. Well, thank you, and Happy New Year to you, too. And, yes, you're absolutely right. We um, we are in charge. Everyone knows we're in charge of elections, but, um, but we also have a lot of other duties and responsibilities, and one of them is registering all of the businesses in Louisiana. Absolutely. Um, but as you said, most people are focused on elections. I know I, I had many conversations with um, uh Kyle Ardwan, who you worked for as first assistant for a number of years, uh, about the transfer to a new voting uh, machine. Um, and I got to imagine that's probably top of mind for you as, as you enter the office of Secretary of State. Absolutely. Um, election integrity is my number one priority, and part of that is um, getting us a new voting system. Our current voting system is outdated. It's about 30 years old, and we just really need a new system, and we need to bring it up to modern standards. So, um, so that'll be, you know, the thing that I'm launching right away is um, jumping right into getting a new, getting us a new voting system. Kyle had expressed some frustration with folks about this whole process. Um, What's your perspective of that and moving forward? Are you ex expecting some of the same? You know, they, they were folks taking shots from all different angles. Most of it never made much sense to me. Well, um, it is a, a complicated process. And, you know, at, when, when the last time we attempted it was right after the 2020 presidential election, and there were um, – a lot of concerns about um, the election and some things that had happened in other states. But regardless of, you know, what happened in other states, we have safe, secure in elections here, here in Louisiana. And in order to have safe, secure and accurate elections going forward, we've got to get a new system in place. And so um, we're operating under um, a new law that was passed in 2021 that requires us to go through a few extra steps. So it might take us a little longer but the first process is to um, develop state standards for our new system, and we're in the process of doing that. And once we finish that, then we'll have to um, draft a request for proposals for the new system. And once we do that, then we have a, um, an evaluation committee that will evaluate the proposals we receive, and an award will be made based on the, um, the scores that those um, vendors 
received by the evaluation committee. And then we have to go through a few extra steps again and get approval through the legislature and various committees in the legislature. And, of course, you know, whenever you have a contract that's a big contract like that, you can always anticipate that there will be some litigation by the the, the vendor that d- doesn't win the bid. And so um, it's going to take a while, but we're committed to getting it done this time. We're, we're um, ready for the challenges that we faced in the past when we did it. And I was here when one of those um, – previous RFPs went out. And so um, we're, we're really preparing. We're crossing all our T's and dotting all of our I's this time to make sure that um, we see it to completion. That's the beauty of institutional knowledge, right? You get to you kind of know where, where the shots are going to be fired from. That's right. So like I said, during the campaign, um, I'll be ready to hit the ground running. And that's exactly what I'm doing. I'm here in the office ready to go and i know the process and so i don't have a um to ramp up and learn how to do it we're just ready we're we're getting started already and we're in the process the uh the voting process though is made up of a number of different uh areas right uh, obviously voting machines is one uh the sanctity of voter rolls being uh one as well and as I looked at um, a number of states across the country when this was a very heated topic, uh, most elections folks always said that your process really kind of lives and dies with the sanctity of voter rolls. Your thoughts? Um, voter rolls, accurate voter rolls are absolutely critical to um the election integrity and that it was um, something that I'm committed to is cleaning up our voter rolls. We currently do what we call an annual canvas to clean up our voter rolls. And that's a tool that we use to verify the voters on the voter rolls. And we've asked the legislature multiple times in the past to give us additional tools so that we can verify even more of the voters on our voter rolls. And Three times the legislature passed legislation to give us those additional tools, and three times Governor Edwards vetoed that legislation. So we uh, feel confident that that legislation will be um, back in the legislature this year and that it will pass overwhelmingly again and that this time Governor Landry will sign it into law. And so we're looking forward to having those additional tools that will allow us to Um, verify even more of the voters on our voter rolls and then clean up our voter rolls even more and we'll have better and more accurate voter rolls. Can can you describe for the listening audience that legislation? I know I I think y'all wanted to do biannual canvases. It was one piece of legislation that governor, uh, former governor, vetoed, right? Well, it was an, it's called a supplemental canvas, so it was an additional one. But we, we actually worked with the legislature and were able to, um, to, to amend the bill so that it would all happen at the same time. So it would actually be one annual canvas, but it targets different subsets of voters on the rolls. So it would allow us to verify different groups on the rolls. So the, the, the subset we currently verify is people who have had a change of address. So we verify them and make sure that they're still um, they're still a voter that's um, allowed to vote in our elections. And now what we'd like to do is also verify 
voters who haven't had any activity, who haven't voted in 10 years or haven't changed their voter registration in 10 or more years. And we want to also verify those voters and make sure that they're still um, belong on the voter rolls. And if not, um, we'd like to challenge them and, and put them on the inactive list and eventually remove them from the voting rolls if they're not if they're no longer eligible to vote in Louisiana. And other states have done this. I believe Ohio did it, and um, and it was um, it you know was challenged all the way to the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court did affirm that it is constitutional and it is allowed under federal law. And so we're we're pursuing it as well, and we feel like it's um, going to pass this year. And Governor Landry will sign it into law this year. So we're looking forward to doing that. And that process actually helps figure out whether or not people are even alive, right? Exactly. If someone hasn't voted in 10 years or 20 years or 30 years, um, we'd like to see if they're still with us. And, you know, in a nice way, we want to ask them, you know, hey, are you still with us? Do you, would you still like to vote at any time in the future? And so um, if, you know, we don't get a response from them, we can um, do some further investigation and find out if um, if they've moved out of the state, if they've um, if they're, you know, um, met their ultimate demise and they don't they're no longer eligible to vote so um, it is a way we do have ways now where we find out if people have died and we do remove them as well we get reports from the department of health and the social security death index but we do have a few um, voters who registered you know really long time ago who may not have put their social security number back then or may not have included um, their full name. And so it, we have to match a certain number of data points before we can safely assume that they have passed away. And this would be um, just another way for us to um, investigate and find out if, you know, perhaps they're not still with us. And we know, especially down here in New Orleans, we know this happens because we just found a bunch of people that still have active homestead, homestead exemptions that have passed on. And they're still... They're still on the property tax rolls is enjoying a homestead exemption. Other people are living in that property, and they're, they're the beneficiary of a dead person's home homestead exemption. So it happens. I mean, you know, yeah, so a lot I'm of people. I'm not sure if they get, if the assessors get the notifications from um, the Social Security index, death index and the um, Department of Health, but we get those. So we, we do do a um, rigorous you know, review of who has died and we remove, remove them when we know and we have the data, enough data points to match to know for sure that that person has passed away. So I don't know if the assessors get that same information where we sometimes have a few people fall through the cracks, like I said, or people who are a lot older who registered at a time before the law required us to collect Social Security numbers and full legal names. And so you may have someone registered as Mrs. John Smith instead of Betty Smith. And so when we get the death notice and it says um, Betty Smith, uh, we have to be sure it's the right person. And if our voter rolls from 1910 said Mrs. John Smith, we have to make sure it's the right person before we can, um, you know, remove them. And so that's where we have a couple of people fall through the the cracks and we would like to, um, to have these additional canvassing tools so that we can, you know, find those people and remove them if they're no longer with us. Nancy, let's, if you don't mind, let's pivot um, 
to this call for this special session on congressional redistricting and redistricting for the Supreme Court, there are a number of other categories that are in that call. Um, are there any that, that impact uh, the operations of your office or, or require you to have participation in this process? Well, you know, there, in, in the call is a call to um, close the party primaries. And, of course, that will affect our office and how we conduct elections. So um, we're monitoring that very closely and providing information to the legislators and the governor's office on um, on how that would, you know, change the cost of elections and how um, much time lead way, how much lead way we need to reprogram our registration system in order to do that. But um, we're not taking a position on that. Our office is neutral on it. We're we're just a ministerial office, so um, we don't make policy with regard to whether we would have closed primaries or not. Right. So our position is just that we're happy to do whatever the legislature would like us to do with regard to whether the primaries are closed primaries or are open jungle primaries that we're used to. We just want to make sure that we have enough time to to um, to reprogram and to do it with integrity so that we don't compromise the security of our elections. And that's that's our main focus on that legislation. And in that they also respect, fund it so that we can afford to do it. Yeah. <laughs> that may be the most important part of the whole right, process. Right, right. Because I, I got to imagine that, um, and, and well, let me ask the question this way, because I, I really don't know the answer. Are you required to designate party affiliation when you register today? We have a um, designation on the form for party affiliation, but they they put um, you don't ha- you don't you have know, to put they it can though, write in one or they can put um, no party or um, you know they don't have to put it but we in our system do have a category for everybody it's either um, one of the recognized parties or it's no party or it's an other those are our designations or right. it's independent you know if it's a recon- the recognized parties no party right. or um, or other. And that that's our system designates everyone as one of those. But I, so you know, I have we to do have a closed party primary. We... I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, okay. no, we do ahead. have a closed party primary for the presidential primary, which is coming up in March. And this would mm-hmm. be a good time to remind your listeners that um, th- this is a closed party primary that we do once every four years. And we always have people who um, who forget that they're registered as one party because they always vote the other party because of our open primaries and they may not remember. So it's a good time for everybody to go and check their party registration, because in the presidential preference primary in March, it is a closed primary election. And you you if you're a Republican, you vote in the Republican one. And if you're a Democrat, you vote in the Democrat primary. And um, we, and we always have people who are kind of surprised that they they haven't ever actually changed their registration, so it's a good time for everybody to go check and um, and see if and see if they're registered the way they think they're registered and their party designation matches what their intentions are before they go to vote in the in the March presidential primary. And I have to imagine that y'all have some kind of ministerial role as well in the redistricting, right? Because um, you got to associate precincts and. Uh, 
and all of that through these districts as these lines are, are redrawn? That's right. We have to um, enforce the maps that the legislature enacts. And so we, we would have to, you know, again, do some re, um, reprogramming of our registration system and then notify voters that, they, that they're in a different district if they're moved to another district. And we have deadlines um, that we require them to notify us, the, um, the legislature to notify us of those district changes and the redrawing of the lines. And so, but other than that, we just, you know, enact what they, um, we implement what they enact. And that's our, we're required by law to do that. So again, it's just a ministerial function. We don't get involved in the actual policy of the, in, in any of the redrawing. We just um, implement it once it's done. Does any uh, of this, would it, would it impact the nature of, the type of voting machine or otherwise? Probably not, right? I mean, because these are set up, whether it's a closed primary, open primary, it it doesn't really matter. It doesn't matter. Um, We can, we think, you know, that we can do it even with our old system, but our, um, our old system does have limited um, real estate on the ballot. And so if we have um, Uh a primary with, you know, multiple, multiple um, lists of names of candidates, it could be a little bit problematic with a new system. As you know, if you've ever voted on the early voting system, which is a little bit newer than our Election Day equipment, um, you can you can page Mm -hmm. through the ballot on the touch screen. And there's there's just more room for. A longer ballot and it's not a problem whereas on the old equipment you have just um, a smaller space to fit everything and it is sometimes problematic if we have too many um, too many names on one too many names of candidates on one ballot but you know we we think we would definitely be able to do it as long as we have enough lead time to get everything ready and and maintain the integrity of the security of the election and you don't need to opine on this, but you must really love those constitutional amendments that take up a lot, a lot of real estate on that ballot, right? <laughs> we have them every election it's just like, about, so we're used to them. But we, and there are a lot of requirements that go with them. We have to print posters and um, and have the language approved by the attorney general's office. So um, there's a lot that goes on with a constitutional amendment, and you know sometimes we have. Um, to have them in the dozens, but uh, we always have them, so we're always ready. We work with the legislature in, during sessions to make sure that there's kind of split between the primary and the general, so we don't have too many on on one ballot. And they've been um, they've right. they've worked real well with us in the past to um, to make everything work out. We appreciate their help in doing that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, we appreciate you joining us today. Thank you so much. Open invitation. Anytime you want to talk about any issue, we're happy to get you on to talk about it. I think our uh, listening audience is very clued in to what's going on with elections and voting machines and stuff, and they really do love to hear from their Secretary of State. So we thank you for your time and your insight. Thank you, Newell. Thanks for having me on, and I'm happy to come back anytime and give you updates on the um, on the. Uh, requiring the new systems. 
Thank you so much, Madam Secretary. Nancy Landry, Secretary of State. We will be right back, folks. 504-260-1870 on the Oakland Heart Jewelers Talk and Text Line. Stay with us. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us, and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 